Welcome to LilyPod episode 85, Beyond Suicide Prevention. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Welcome, LilyPod listeners, uh, to another episode of LilyPod. We have an important uh, and kind of troubling topic to discuss today, and that is the difficult subject of suicide. And I think it's safe to say that if you've lived into middle age, almost everyone uh, at our stage of life has known someone who has taken their own life. And... Uh, we know that just inherently many people who have been through divorce or the death of a loved one uh, have, and many people who have, have gone through life so far without a companion have uh, risk factors for suicide. And so we want to talk about not only uh, how to prevent suicide, you could prevent suicide and continue to live miserable, but how to get beyond feelings of uh, suicidal ideation and that sort of thing, and to uh, actually live a healthy, happy life. You know, our mission with Love in Later Years is to help people heal from relationship loss and move forward in creating healthy relationships and a happy life. And with that being our mission, a lot of us want to hop forward to the move forward and create healthy relationships and a happy life. Some of us who are, might have been codependent in previous relationships have a very hard time not being in a relationship. And we can't skip the most important step, which is making sure we are whole. And, and yet, we don't want anyone stuck and unraveling in perpetual pain and bitterness because no amount of time will ever take that away without intentional effort to heal it. Right. You know, Kathy, two, uh, uh, there are a couple of different people on my mind today. And I I'm going to speak in relatively general terms, but let's. Uh, say at the outset that Kathy and I both know people who, because of a divorce or other tragic loss of a spouse, have taken their own lives. And I also was had a loved one in my own family uh, who took his own life, uh, I guess, four summers ago or something like that. It was the summer before Kathy and I got married. So not quite a year before my, my, uh, relative 
was in some serious legal trouble. Uh, he wasn't getting divorced. He, he had a wife and kids that loved him, but he was accused of something very serious and had been arrested. And uh, he wrote a, a letter saying that he would rather trust God's justice than man's and, and decided to move on from this existence. Now, I don't know all of the factors, but according to the CDC, uh, criminal or legal problems are a risk factor for suicide. And I know he had others as well. But I've just wanted, you know, when I've thought about him and, and what he went through, even as serious as it was, I, I, I wish that I could, you know, tell him now, uh, somehow bring him back and say, look, whatever, whatever the, the future is, whatever the consequence is of, of what you're accused of, there are other options for you. You don't have to do this. Um, you've got reasons to live. You've got a wife who loves you. You've got children who love you. You, you can still move on. Uh, and have a happy life, even if the circumstances of your life are not uh, as ideal as, as you might hope. And, and for those listening who may not have a wife or a spouse who loves you anymore, someone who, you know, a wife or a husband who is no longer with you and you feel like you've lost everything, we believe very strongly that every loss, every trial we experience has a flip side. And sometimes we have to get through the flop of it or be able to see beyond the flop side, meaning, um, you know, there's two sides of every characteristic in our lives. And we, we have a, a video that goes along with that, you know, the flip flop factors. We talk about it in our book, Intentional Courtship as well. But in other words, there's circumstances which are relatively neutral. And then we put a lot of perceptions and judgments on them very naturally as humans. And when our perception is that everything has gone wrong, something is amiss. God's plan for me is off track. That can lead us to some very despairing feelings. Right. Um, but you know, if we can get beyond the, the devastation or even just be able to trust when people say it will get better. I've been where, especially people who've been where we are and they can say, keep with it, you know, follow, keep, keep, um, keep going with your healing journey because I promise you'll come out on the other side stronger and better and with bigger blessings. Because we think that, you know, we, we believe in a gospel of opposition and with all opposition, it, so whatever the trial is, how no matter how bad it is, there are blessings on the other side of that to the equal degree. Right. You know, Kathy, I've thought um, about the situation with my relative and, and thought, you know, I don't know if he was facing prison. I think he may have believed he was. And that just seemed intolerable and unbearable. And hey, I understand why it would. I, I wouldn't want to go to prison. I, I hate the idea. 
but how many people do we know that uh, know of that have spent time in prison? Nelson Mandela became the most admired man in the world after rotting in jail for 30 years. Um, and he used the pain of his long prison term uh, to inspire and motivate him. He spent his time in prison actually thinking about how he could change the world for good. And then when he came out of prison, he did. And I think about, you know, a, a number of people, I mean, Reuben Hurricane Carter, the boxer that was wrongly convicted and later exonerated, you know, spent decades in prison. And he wrote a book uh, about his experience while he was in prison. And it was ultimately published and an inspiration to many people. So I, I don't want to suggest that anyone should aspire to go to prison. Of course, none of us wants that. But in fact, none of us wants any of the risk factors that we're about to go over. Right. I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving a a certain sense here that whatever you're facing in life—a terminal illness, a prison term, horrible things but there can be meaning in your life even in those circumstances and there's an opportunity for you to use that pain that you have experienced or may be experiencing to bless others i mean and honestly, it might take some time but it will be you you can channel it and our mess becomes our message eventually right and that is part of the reason kathy and i started love in later years and wrote our book it was the book we wish we would have had when we became mid singles by virtue of divorce. Uh, and we thought, you know, we can teach others to get over this pain and build a happy life faster than we did because of the things we've learned. And we don't simply mean get over it. Like, you know, that flippant statement, no, but to really heal. truly heal, right? which can sometimes lead to more health and well-being in your mind than there was before. Right. Uh, you know, we have a, a video on LilyTube, and it's our most viewed one. I believe it's been seen 5,000 times. And I believe it's as popular as it is because there's a lot of people in pain out there. Right. And it's titled, Will I Ever Feel Better? Right. And we want to testify that if you do the healing work, if you will be intentional and seek God's guidance and be willing to let him shape your mind and your mindset um, along with whatever professionals that you go to for help with that, that I think the thing that all these risk factors have in common is how are we seeing them? And are we able to envision a future that is bright? We also have a video that's called Was Divorce God's Plan for Me? So if that's something you've been through, and I know a lot of people are very resistant to this idea, but we are coming to believe um, through all the work we do in the mid-singles community and through our own experience that if you experience divorce, and even if it wasn't your choice and it was the agency of your spouse, um, it was part of your plan. Even if it was your choice, it was also part of your plan. And it wasn't a mistake. Like the whole relationship, everything that happened in the marriage was for our learning and for our growth. Yeah. And I, I want to talk more about um, healing and so on, but I think it, this would be a good moment to 
pause and go over some of the risk factors. And I'm taking these directly from the CDC, Center for Disease Control. So some of the personal risk factors could include a previous suicide attempt. If you've had a previous attempt, that is a risk, a risk factor. History of depression and other mental illness. That's a pretty obvious one, but how many people are depressed after a divorce? I mean, it's probably almost a hundred percent. Well, and a lot of anxiety too, that goes along with changing your entire life around. Right. Serious illness, such as chronic pain. Um, one person I know who, who took his own life, uh, had that going on, uh, which also contributed to mental illness well, and depression. And Jeff, do you remember me telling you when I had really horrible, like herniated discs in my back? I luckily I got stem cells eventually and it healed my back. But for 13 years, my back declined and to the point that I told Jeff, if this keeps going, I mean, like I'm 40 and we were at his grandma's 100th birthday party. And I said, at some point, I will have to end it. I cannot last 60 years like this. And I'm just so grateful that I had I found a good option for myself because I was doing everything I knew how, and it was just continually getting worse. Yeah. And we're not suggesting that you have those thoughts or that you nurture those thoughts. It's just pointing out the reality that people really can get to feeling like they're at oh, the yeah. end of their road. I just have a lot of empathy and compassion for that particular problem because I I never, I, luckily I never got suicidal ideation with that particular issue. But I had this idea that I don't think, I don't know how much more pain I can handle. Right. Um, the next one it lists is criminal or legal problems. Uh, again, that was the, the one that affected my relative the, the most and, and pushed him over the edge. Uh, so, so that one is personal to me. The, the next one also affected someone I know of, job loss or financial problems. Uh, those are, that's a big one. Sometimes, I, I mean, you know, there was a period of time when I, I never really contemplated suicide, but where I kind of lost the will to live and kind of thought, you know, if I was hit by a semi truck and taken out instantly, that'd be all right with me. Now I don't feel that way today. I I'm love my life, but there was a period of time and a lot of that involved, I had financial problems that seemed to be mounting so quickly and so fully and, and affecting the way I could even carry on my responsibilities as a father. Uh, and, you know, that in the middle of a divorce, it just seemed overwhelming, like I could never get ahead of it. And so that's another important one. If you're feeling that way, which many mid-singles are, many people after divorce have financial catastrophes to clean up. Uh, if you feel that way, you're not alone. And I can promise you there are people who have come back from worse uh, issues. So, so that's an important one. Impulsive or aggressive tendencies. So if you're aggressive toward others, you're maybe more likely to do harm to yourself. Uh, substance misuse, that's an obvious one, but an important one. And many people who are dealing with emotional problems stemming from a, a relationship loss are more likely to misuse a substance. And so that becomes a multiple risk factor. Well, and I'll tell you, for those of, of you who are listening, who are 
active in your religion and you obey the word of wisdom and you take good care of your body, uh, you know, that's just one thing that you can be grateful to yourself for, because that's just one last thing that you have to deal with among this list that you might have dealt with. Right. So current or prior history of adverse childhood experiences, um, boy, things that we, you know, abuse that we experience in childhood and that kind of thing can really affect us for many years. And so if you've had that, again, know that you're in good company. There's a lot of people who have felt that way. Well, and for anything in, in the past that needs to be remedied, that's where we recommend a good therapist who can work through trauma release. Right. Sense of hopelessness. That's a big one. And, and that involves, you know, the things that I said I went through, uh, just feeling overwhelmed and like I could never have my life be as good and beautiful as it had been before. And that is particularly the the one we focus on the most because that is part of our mission is to be able to reach out to those who feel hopeless and be able to give them the hope they need to get through what they're going through until they're stronger. And I think with my relative that that must have played a part in where his mind went before, uh, before he took his own life. Um, you know, there must have been a great sense of hopelessness that this is just too big for me. I've got to get, I, I, I've got to go out on my own terms. And that's, you know, I, I, I think there were ways for him to move ahead and have a meaningful life like we've talked about. Uh, but he couldn't see those at the time. I'm sure he couldn't. Well, and for those of you who are experiencing some hopelessness, I want to refer, refer you to Lilypod episode eight, the power of thought, because a sense of hopelessness doesn't come from our circumstances alone. It comes from what we think about them. Right. So that's a, that's a good um, point of reference. And then of course, you know, as life coaches, we would encourage you to reach out to us. If you, if these messages are resonating with you, we can help with that. Yeah. We can help you find us a, a sense of hope. You may need trauma therapy from a, a, from a really good trauma therapist if, if this is seriously embedded, but we can help at the same time just to be able to look forward and picture what your life could be like, uh, you know, if you have the, the courage and the strength to stay well, here with us. And, and that's what good coaches can do is actually get you feeling better faster by looking forward and focusing on shifting your narrative, shifting the way you're looking at the circumstances, and that will help you get through it. Right. Um, violence, victimization, and or pe perpetration is another personal risk factor. So if, if you have been violent or uh, violent toward others or had violence committed on you, that's a risk factor. Now, relationship risk factors, there are some related things. I'm just going to tick off the five, and then we can talk about them a little more specifically. Bullying, family or loved one's history of suicide, loss of relationships, high conflict or violent relationships, and social isolation. Um, so I want to, the, the middle one of all those is loss of relationships. And that's one that many of our listeners 
have dealt with. And then some might have also experienced high conflict in their previous relationship, along with some social isolation from a divorce or loss of that relationship. Yeah, that high conflict and even violence could have been one of the things that led to the divorce and is also a, a risk factor for suicide. Um, the, the family or loved one's history of suicide is an interesting one. Uh, we, find, we find this in many places that suicide is actually contagious. That once one kid does it in a particular high school, more children often follow that example. Yeah, that's why there's and, community risk factors too. Right. And I think um, uh, we ought to talk about, about this for a minute in terms of, I mean, we've, we've gone through a bunch of these risk factors, but I, I want to talk about farmers for a second, because we often think of farmers and ranchers as being really tough and resilient and able to handle anything. And yet, did you know that farmers commit suicide at three times the national average? Why? Well, one of the risk factors really is in that, in their case is farm stress. It is, they're at the mercy often of the elements of rain, you know, do, do my crops have enough to grow? Or, that, that's a lot of control they're missing in their lives that they probably would like to have. Right. There, there's a lot of responsibility. If I don't feel like getting out of bed and going to work today, somebody's got to feed my cows or whatever, you know. So, And they also have a mentality of, I just got to pull up my bootstraps and go out and do it. Right. And I want to now refer people to episode 54 on Lillipod, Mental Health Stewardship. Right. With Gainal and Condi. We are not, as human beings, we are none of us are immune to the need for good mental health practices. All of us need it. Men, women, children, adults, every age, every gender, every uh, ethnicity, every religious uh, affiliation, every career person. Like all of us need it. Mental health is is our stewardship over our own self and our own life. You know, there's there's something I want to tell here from personal experience as well. Some of you have read an intentional courtship or maybe heard on this program about the time that I found myself and my two sons stranded at a truck stop in Snowville, Utah, spending the night on the floor of the trucker's lounge on New Year's Eve and trying to figure out, okay, I, I'm trying to figure out how can I get through this experience and get my kids where they need to go and me where I need to go without having to ask anyone for help. Now, look, people, I'm a guy. I understand the pride that we have, the, the ego that we have, and it is really hard for us to ask for help. I've mentioned that sometimes women, you know, if you go into a bishop's office and you ask for church welfare because you're you're behind on your bills and some unexpected things came up or medical situations or whatever and you, so you go in and ask for church welfare the woman i think by and large is just happy to get it is just oh, it's such a relief thank you for the man he's feeling the deepest shame of his life i have failed 
as a man because I had to go ask someone else to give money to take care of my family. And that was my job. That's the way we men think. I mean, almost and, universally. And so many men keep it to themselves, which is, I believe, men are at, at higher risk as well. Right. Well, that that is a, a fact that middle-aged men are the highest demographic. Yes. And, you know, I actually just want to insert here that we've been reading The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, and she talks about shame resilience and that the thing that keeps shame cycling in our lives the most is not speaking up about it. And right. so many men don't want to speak about it because they're supposed to be tough. And they're supposed to be Superman. Exactly. And Handle so anything. even though it might be what you consider to be the most humiliating thing to speak up about what you feel shame about, it's the very thing that will get you relief. Well, and I've said many times that night at that truck stop, maybe the deepest shame I've ever felt in my whole life. I, I want to say this to the men particularly, but to all of you, okay, that's pride, folks. And I'm not talking about a good kind of pride like, you know, boy, am I grateful for my athletic talent or something like that. Uh, I'm talking about the kind of pride where we can't admit that we're imperfect, where we can't admit that sometimes bad things happen to good people and we're not, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't our fault necessarily, or even if it was, we're still a valuable human being. And we men have a rough time with that. We have, we're ego driven, we're proud. And, you know, that's understandable. And to some extent, to a, to a, a moderate extent, it's even healthy. I mean, I think it, that's an inborn desire to take care of our families that's noble and good. But understanding that doesn't mean that, you know, we never go through situations where, uh, where we may need some extra help. We may need someone to put us on a bus to somewhere, or, you know, we may need somebody to help us pay a medical bill in a difficult time. I mean, there's all kinds of of things that we need to ask for help for. And I know men, that is so hard to do, but sometimes we've got to do it. And sometimes that means going into our bishop and admitting, look, I've been so depressed the last few months. I hardly want to live. Um, and, you know, the bishop is is going to help you get the therapy and and maybe even medical intervention that you need to get feeling better and start to overcome the issues in your life. And if you happen to reach out to a person who isn't as helpful as you'd like them to be, don't stop. Don't yeah, find stop. someone else. Yeah, find someone else. There will be someone who can help. Right. Even if you turn to a loved one and say, you know, I've been experiencing suicidal ideation. I've, I've been thinking even that I don't want to live anymore. And you know, hopefully that person from a place of more strength than you feel right now can help give you a boost. And, you know, that's a lifeline. I promise you, I, even if you think that everyone would be better off without you, uh, many people who take their own lives have convinced themselves of that. It is not true with my relative that I mentioned, I, he may have made serious mistakes. I mean, 
we'll never know for sure. None of us are better off without you. But or him. I or wish else. and my whole family wishes that he had stuck around and we would have helped him deal with this stuff, whatever needed to happen for him to go forward and have the healthiest and happiest life he he could. And so I I think looking at anyone I've ever known who has done this, and unfortunately I've known a few people who have done it. Um I don't wish, I, I'm not glad that any of them are gone. I, I'm really not. No, I, we're always really sad. It's a, it's a big process to, uh, pro, well, it is just a process to uh, grieve the loss and be able to move on. And, um, you know, for those of you who have lost a loved one to suicide, we have compassion for you. And um, I mean, that's not the main focus of this particular podcast is not to support you, but to help Any not just prevent suicide, but what we mean by going beyond suicide prevention is helping people to find and create reasons to live, real reasons, like not just grin, grit my teeth and bear the hardship, but find things to be grateful for and actively heal your life and create a life that is brighter than you can possibly imagine right now. So here's a few suicide protection factors that are also mentioned by the CDC. Effective coping and problem-solving skills. We focus on that in coaching. Uh, reasons for living. For example, family, friends, pets, etc. I think that could be the most important one. And I, I really wish that anyone I've known who has taken their own life could have, have really understood, you know, I, I know they don't, they're not thinking that way at that moment, but I, I wish that any of them could have seen how deeply they were going to be missed by their children, their spouses, even their ex-spouses. Strong sense of cultural identity can also help. Uh, a, being a Latter-day Saint is a is a identity factor. Being a Native American is an identity factor. So yeah, having a, a cultural identity is really uh, meaningful. And I, I've actually written and published on that in a whole different context. Well, but, and we created a culture in Lily for people who've been through divorce, widowhood, they're not yet married, but would like to be um, maybe they're later married couples, blending families. We all have something in common and it's a place of belonging. Right. Uh, a few relationship protective factors. Well, two, support from partners, friends, and family. And the second one is related, feeling connected to others. There is a tendency among people who are really depressed. And I raise my hand as being one when I've been in that, in that space, uh, tend to isolate we tend to not reach out to others. We tend to feel too tired, too exhausted, too emotionally depleted to deal with other people. And the fact is that even though we think it will deplete us to be connected to others, that, that can be the thing that energizes us, that helps us to, uh, to stay sort of in that that frame of mind that we have things to live for and it's important well, that we do. I'd like to just speak here a little bit to introvert 
people versus extroverted people. I think extroverted people naturally center and get rejuvenated by being with people and introverted people do the, are the opposite. They actually do center and find their shalom better alone. But I think what Jeff's talking about is for both extroverts and introverts. And that is when we cut off our support system, when we stop reaching out for people who can lift us up, we're, um, whether we're introverted or extroverted, we're putting ourselves at greater risk. And that's why it's a protective factor to be able to reach out and ask for help when we need it. And not only that, but just don't cut people out. Like that's, that's the going to be the biggest, I think, protective factor is not cutting people out when, um, or seeking to connect in ways that will lift you out of your fog. Yeah. I promise you, even if you're an introvert, and I, I got nothing against that. But even if you're an introvert, you need love and belonging just like everybody else. Yeah. And, and I, I'd like to refer everybody um, who might just not have, have a hard time believing that things can get better to episode 78, Living on Borrowed Light. Now, of course, we need our own light ultimately. But sometimes when life is really dark, we need a little borrowed light from others. Whether we're introverted or extroverted, sometimes... We just are in need of that. And if you can think of someone who has light in their life, especially if it's someone who's been through what you are going through, that can be a great renewal of hope for you that you don't know how to get on your own. You know, I, I have a good friend who was a, a former Miss Utah that went through some very serious postpartum depression uh, after giving birth to one of her children. And she said, literally, there were times when the only thing that she could bring herself to do was to rearrange her jewelry box and to look at it and see the order within that small space and feel like she'd accomplished something. And that sounds, you know, that sounds so small, but you don't you know, to get through, you don't necessarily need for everything to change all at once. I mean, that would be nice, but life doesn't work that way a lot of the time. Yeah, sometimes even deep breaths can make a big difference in that moment. And sometimes you just have to live from minute to minute, not even like hour to hour until like you can expand that. Uh, right. Maybe that jewelry box goes to a certain drawer, which is bigger, and that goes to your bedroom. And ultimately, you can take more control of many of the things in your life and feel, you know, like you're starting to to get back to to where you want to be. Be gentle with yourself and give yourself grace because, you know, even though we're big fans of eventually seeing your part in a relationship loss so that you can show up better in future relationships, when you're grieving, actively grieving, that loss is not a time to to get picky about yourself that's for later save that for later for now your job is only to self-soothe only to do at each moment what you feel inspired by the spirit to do for your own emotional and mental well-being i mean one thought that that helped me and this sounds you know a little strange but 
to, I, I would think about my former wife and think she made the best decision she thought she could make at the time. Did she have other options? Maybe she did. I mean, I, I kind of thought she did, but in her mind, she was making the best decision she could to end our marriage. And, you know, I think if you can begin to look at it like that, uh, it's kind of a recognition that we're all sort of doing the best we can. And we're, we marry imperfect people, you know, and sometimes we hurt each other. But if we can, as we talk about sometimes, assume good intent, maybe it it takes away some of that sting yeah, a little bit. It helps us give grace to them and ourselves. And better. to ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, that leads to like the, I promise this is the last one I'm going to give you. I, we don't normally refer to this many podcasts and videos, but we just, we have a lot of really great material that can support people and, you know, and depending on what you're dealing with, you know, something might resonate and you'll go listen and it might help. But anyways, number 69, Lillipod 69 is radical acceptance. Right. And that is a really big one when it comes to being able to heal faster than any other fighting against the reality of the situation will ever do. Right. I want to begin to wrap up with the the thing we begin with or the thought that that we began with um that suicide is a bigger risk for people who have experienced a relationship loss particularly when it's combined with other risk factors and we've gone through those today and i won't repeat them but i also I just want to say, you know, that's why we're talking about this, because those of you in our audience, uh, most of you are at, at greater risk than others because of the trauma that you've been through. We don't blame you for that. We just want you to be careful. We want you to know how loved you are and to do your best to develop hope that things can get better. You know, and I just have a few closing remarks as well, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, there is a very real possibility, and we believe that it it's true for everyone, that your life falling apart just may be setting you up for the best life you've ever experienced. We really believe it. That and was true for me. Yeah, it's been true for me too. And, it, and that did not minimize the pain of our situation. I mean, we sometimes felt pain so strongly in our divorce, uh, like that, that physical pain, at least for me, it was in, I don't know, it was in my whole body, like pain I thought I couldn't live through. Right. Um, meaning like it hurt so bad, I didn't even know how someone could survive it. It hurt that much. But, and so we're not minimizing the pain of whatever your situation is. Um, we would never want to do that even in, inadvertently, but we do care about your circumstances and we hope to see you through it, to eventually be experiencing blessings. We believe you're being set up for through the adversity. And, you know, if you're ready to have your mind open to the possibility that your future may be more hopeful and bright than you can currently understand, please reach out to us. We would love to you know, talk about your situation and just see what 
um, we can do for you as coaches. Right. Just to help you find that glimmer of hope that you can hold on to as it expands, brightens, and ultimately fills your life. Uh, you just need that little, that little glimmer at the beginning uh, to get you started, to give you some hope, and to help you believe that things can get better. And I have sometimes said, you know, I mean, we know that teenagers commit suicide at a rate much larger than the general population. Um, and I've often pondered why that might be. And I think it's because maybe they haven't lived long enough and experienced enough to see that generally things do get better. Um, you know, I think when, when you get to, I'm not suggesting that people don't um, take their own lives at later stages because we, I mean, we know middle-aged men have a, a high risk factor, but I, I do think there is something to be said for the idea that if we can understand and if we've been through enough things in our life to know that things generally do get better, uh, you know, we have the, that, that can, that thought can give us the strength to, to hang on and hope for better things. Yeah. And when we know we have stewardship over our own mental health, that helps us not only show up better for ourselves, but also for our loved ones who, you know, we're all struggling with things. Right. We all have stuff we're dealing with. And when we can lead with love and light and goodness and grace, then we have, I think, a better chance of creating the kind of life that would go beyond prevention suicide and really help us love our life. Right. So we want you to know uh, you are loved. And it that is is probably the most important thing to take away and remember if you're in that really dark place you are loved you're loved by God and you're loved by many people in this world sit down and list them if you have to and maybe and, even know that there are people praying for you that don't even know your name or have never conversed with you because we are right we pray for our listeners our followers our people that maybe haven't even found us yet we pray for you every day and we want you to remember to reach out because any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.